we are recording. Welcome, listeners, wherever you are, hopefully at home, to Fix This Flick, a podcast where two entitled millennials deconstruct your favorite films and tell you how we'd make them better, as if we know what we're talking about. I'm your host, Allie, and due to coronavirus isolation reasons, my regular co-host Rob is unable to join me for this episode. He will be missed and sends his regards. But the unenviable task of filling his shoes falls to our guest host, Shannon Graham, a professional saxophonist and lukewarm movie lover. Hi, happy to be here. And even though I identify as a lukewarm movie lover, I promise I'll do my best to fill Rob's prodigious shoes. If anyone can do it, it's you. Well, for full disclosure, we're dating, so you're pretty much the only person I've been in close contact with in the early days of this coronavirus pandemic. So, slim pickings as far as guests go. That being said, I'm glad to have you on the show. Wow. Well, speaking as your only option for a guest, it is truly an honor and a privilege. We're definitely in the middle of some interesting times, and you know everything around us is coronavirus, coronavirus, and coronavirus, which is a good thing because people do need to know the news and important health recommendations and updates, but we all need a break. We're only human, so I appreciate the chance to talk about something light for a bit of a change of pace, and hopefully your listeners feel the same. I'll add that Shannon is Fix This Flick's gracious host for this episode, and we are recording from her studio apartment. Some might say we're taking a risk recording this session in person, but we're being safe and washing our hands for 20 seconds. And I can assure you, all our listeners, that we maintain six feet between us at all times. Oh yes, I can attest to this. We pulled out the measuring tape and everything. Six feet. It required some furniture rearrangement since my entire apartment is about 10 feet wide, give or take. Yeah, sounds about right, 10 feet. It's a very intimate but cozy recording room. A subterranean one too, I might add, which is good for the acoustics, right? You're a musician, you know this stuff. Yeah. Speaking as a musician, I do want to note that if you hear the sound of raccoons fighting, it's actually my fridge. It's conveniently close to my bed. So yeah, good for the acoustics. I thought so. On Fix This Flick, we revisit pop culture's most beloved classics, as well as today's biggest movie hits that we weren't big fans of, and explore why we didn't like them and how we'd make them better. In our first episode, my regular co-host Rob and I reviewed one of the biggest horror hits of the past few years, Jordan Peele's Us. I wasn't a fan, Rob liked it a bit more than I did, but we did come to consensus that there were things that could be improved and that ultimately us is fixable. So I was actually going to see us, and then I asked you about it, and your recommendation didn't exactly entice me. Uh, Yeah, I would only give that movie a lukewarm recommendation. I, I just have a feeling you'd get as bored of it as I did. And I do indeed get bored with many movies, and um, well, I'll talk about that later, but shall we tell our listeners what we're doing in this episode? This has been quite a lengthy introduction. Right, right you are. You're already filling Rob's role nicely, he's always handy and helping move things along. Glad to be of service. Yeah, so so I know that this is only the second episode, and what we're about to do probably violates some cardinal rule decreed by the podcast gods, but I wanted to do a special edition that's a slight departure from our one episode long formula Uh, basically the movie we're going to review this episode is not a classic neither was it a hit that's right for this episode we'll be revisiting downhill the hollywood remake of the swedish 2014 film force majeure 
Wunderbar. Oh, thank you. Die Hände in die Höhe. Arms up like this. Huh? Happy family. Please look into the camera. Please Why just smile. Die Stöcke vielleicht in die Höhe. He wants poles up again. He wants us to keep doing poles up. I don't know. Just been through a lot lately. My dad passed away. It's a shame. Eight months ago. So we came here. Here. Here here. You lose a parent and the ticking gets louder. Every day is all we have. We have, yep. <sighs> Powerful. Maybe we ski the beast after lunch. Yeah. No, I don't think I'm... it'll be that challenging. It'll be fine. Is that okay? Yeah, it's, it's fine. <laughs> It looked like it was gonna kill us. For a and moment. the kids were screaming because it felt like we were gonna die. Pete? Wow. And I look over at Pete, and he had grabbed his phone. Pete left us. I didn't leave you to be buried. I'm gonna win. I ran to get help. Yes, I'm gonna win. Yes, what happened? And I choose to survive. I love my family. Every day is all we have! How could I run away in ski boots? What? Can you run in ski boots? Not very well. Boom. Exactly. Regardless, I wouldn't leave my family to die. That's boom. Yes, I am prepared. You have a right to be angry. It's black and white. Well, no, it's black and white. How old are you? 30. Oh. I won't give There's only one thing I have to worry about right now, and that's going down. understand why there weren't any warnings posted anywhere. There was a warning. What? Posted at lifts, gondolas, hotel receptions, restaurants, shops, bars, solar machines, toilets. We didn't see any of that. Well. Downhill revolves around a family on a ski vacation that goes horribly wrong when an avalanche seemingly hits the outdoor deck of the resort restaurant where the family happens to be eating. The father, Pete, played by Will Ferrell, flees for safety, leaving behind his wife, Billy, played by Julia Louis-Dreyfus, and his kids all huddled together in terror. Once the snow settles, it turns out to be a false alarm, becomes all too clear to everyone that Pete just abandoned his own family to their presumed deaths. Uh, the shock of this selfish act leaves both Pete and Billy reeling as they question their marriage, and on a deeper level, who they are as individuals. And on a larger scale, the movie asks the viewer to question the gender roles we all have in our relationships. Sound about right? Yeah, and the core premise of the Swedish original is identical, but there are a lot of key little differences. Which we'll soon get to. So uh, we saw both movies, Force Majeure and Downhill, almost back to back. And I've always enjoyed seeing what Hollywood remakes of foreign films decide to copy and discard, and what remade aspects work and which ones just don't. That's why I figured Fix's Flick would be a great format to explore this, since we both came to a consensus that Force Majeure was a great movie, and that Downhill was, well, a mess. We'll talk about what worked for us in Downhill, what didn't, and see if we can come up with ideas about what would redeem the movie, or at the very least make it better. And at the end, we'll pass our final judgment on whether the movie is fixable or damaged beyond repair. And before we get started, I gotta say, I just love that the Hollywood powers that be decided to change the original title of the film. 
I guess force majeure must have been deemed too Frenchy or confusing for American moviegoers. I suppose it just doesn't have the snappy ring of downhill. And a nap name, considering it was all downhill after the first few minutes. Hey. Okay, I didn't come up with this stuff, folks. You can credit the host six and a half feet away from me for that one. Yeah, we're moving farther apart as this goes on. And and now before we get too in depth, uh, I'm I'm curious to know a bit more about your general impression of both movies. And I should mention at this point, spoiler, spoiler alert, alert from here on out. Well, I really liked Force Majeure. The reason I name myself as a lukewarm movie viewer is that I am very often disappointed by movies, very often bored, and I was riveted by Force Majeure. I was super into it. And Downhill was a more typical movie experience for me, which is my nice way of saying I got a little bored. That's that's fair to say, and which is actually kind of incredible because I think Downhill was only an hour, 25 minutes or something like that. It was a really short movie, <laughs> and it just... I just was waiting for it to end once I got the gist of what it was about. That pretty much conveys what I felt about the movie. It was just a typical Hollywood movie. Very, very bland. Force Majeure was just something a bit more unique. It had a vision to it. It had a kind of a theatrical feel to it, really. like Very intimate. Clearly very well thought out by the director. It that just wasn't... That kind of vision just was not really fresher there in Downhill. If we want to think about what we talk about first in Downhill, I mean... To me, it's the title. Yeah. And yeah. we made a joke about it earlier. But when you first told me it's called Downhill and it has Will Ferrell in it, I was picturing sort of a Chevy Chase style family vacation and it all goes awry and it all gets silly, which is such a far cry from the original Force Majeure. And unfortunately, the final product kind of ended somewhere in the middle. Yeah, it really did. It fell into that you know, bland territory where it just wasn't very absurdist and wacky and zany. Also wasn't, you know, serious or thought-provoking. So it was just kind of in that safe, mushy, middle-never region. I mean, if we want to talk about how movies tend to copy each other, it was funny that the first scene was almost ident like identically the same. I can see why they copied it, because you just see the whole family, and they're on a ski vacation, and they're posing for a photograph, and kind of just see them as this one unit, and you just know that there's hidden cracks and seams that we kind of get hints of in that first scene. We just kind of see their dynamic. That was similar, but things just kind of departed in some areas, and then, the, like, I mean, the end, for example, which we'll get to later, is similar, and yet there's some key differences in it. But one thing I gotta say was a good difference about the American blockbuster was the soundtrack. I know we're gonna have a little bit of a difference of opinion, but I was pretty into it. The, the the funny thing about the soundtrack is I could just put myself in the mindset of the film executives and saying, like, we need something that sounds European. So it sounds like mountainy and Alps-like. It was yodel-esque. <laughs> so I guess they that. just went to the most obvious thing, which is what Americans think of the Alps is yodeling. And... and actually, Ali and I have a pretty good impression of that soundtrack, which we cultivated on the way home from seeing the movie. So shall we give the audience a little taste? Yeah, you have to refresh my memory a little bit so you can get it started. Yeah, that like it's you're going to think that that was really bad, but that was actually a really a big part. It was really good what yeah. we just did. It was really apt <laughs> impression yeah. of the movie soundtrack. Yeah. Let's just do it one more time. Okay, go. Yeah, basically. Ali's not really a soprano. He can't blame him. No, I'm a, more of a mezzo-soprano. <laughs> I don't even understand. That, was a, that was a good joke. Yeah, oh, okay, I know good. you didn't understand it, but it was good. good yeah. Good, good. I'm glad. 
when we heard that, we knew that, okay, this is a sign of things to come, of just how more obnoxious and unsubtle this movie is going to be. And I remember before we saw the movie, we were kind of talking about what we thought was going to be different in Downhill. And I predicted that the kids would be more obnoxious and wild in the American one, because that's the funny thing to do in Hollywood movies, wacky kids. And sure enough, yeah, they were all kind of loud and boisterous. And I think there was an extra kid, too. There were three, right? In the no, American one? No, there were just two. There was were it two? two okay, but, there you go. But but it felt like three. It was just yeah. so obnoxious. And yeah. and speaking of obnoxious, in so in Force Majeure, there's a great dinner scene where it's after the avalanche and the two um, the husband and wife haven't really spoken about it yet, but they go out for dinner with two of their friends. And that's when they start telling the story of the avalanche and sort of what the guy did running off. And he's like, oh, I didn't see it that way. So it's this wonderful, tense dinner where you can awkward. sort of, yeah, it's so awkward. And you can see it Feels through, real. you see it through the eyes of the couple that they're with and just like, oh, there's something really not right here that they haven't spoken about. This wonderful, wonderful awkwardness. And that was just totally lost the the beauty of that was lost in downhill one of the main reasons for that is that there was a key difference in this inclusion of i don't know how to describe her a european sex freak concierge it was as if they wanted to do a nod to the original movie by having like a farcical european character it, that would probably be really disrespectful actually if anyone yeah. actually saw it that character is played by Miranda Otto, who some people might recognize from Lord of the Rings. Which <laughs> By some people, he means nerds like him. Yes, yeah. So Aragon forever. <laughs> you say Aragon? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, close enough. Oh, Aragorn. Yeah, you got You're it. right. Yeah, Ali really is into Aragorn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm team Aragorn more than I am team. Who's the other one? I have no idea. <laughs> Legolas. My... Oh, my God. They were against oh each other? Well, we can, anyway, we can save that for the blooper reel. Well, they're probably against each other in some love triangle in the fan fiction. They were both against me last night in my dreams. Oh, yeah, we're definitely keeping that. <laughs> <laughs> the final version. But yeah, so, so anyway, so she she's this concierge and she just... I, she felt like to me like a character that you'd see in a movie like American Pie or something. You know, quirky, wacky foreigner who has sex all the time. She's put in that, that tense awkward scene that uh, you were talking about earlier it just cuts that tension cuts the effectiveness of the scene really like it, it pre it's pretty much beat for beat the same kind of thing but its impact is is really gone and, and playing off her we have will ferrell who's trying to be actually a dramatic actor and not be the quirky one and that was also just weird a waste of like well, of who you cast Later on in the movie, there's there's a scene that's not in the Swedish original where Julia Louis-Dreyfus, the wife, is seduced by hot European ski instructor guy, and he's massaging her feet, and he's saying sweet nothing, you know, sweet European hot guy nothing into her ear, and she ultimately rejects him. I, I just remember thinking, oh, was this needed? Like, what did this establish or prove? I mean, if, if I want to start with one fix just to get things going, I would say cut that unsubtle shit. Cut that sex-freak concierge character completely. Do, do it a bit more subtle. I mean, if that's what you want to go for or just go crazy. So in the original, the relationship between the husband and wife is explored in ways that are really complicated and nuanced and open to the interpretation of the viewer. And in Downhill, I wouldn't say it was like nuanced or open to interpretation, but more just confusing. They wanted to make a statement, but it was as if they didn't know what statement they were making. 
I think they were really enamored with this one visual motif that they were using in the movie, which was how in the beginning of the movie, when they're in their hotel room, they're in this bathroom and they're sharing the same side as they brush their teeth. But then later on in the movie, she's on the other side. That's the very deep kind of visual work that we're dealing with in Downhill. They don't really do much else. I mean, they just argue with each other. And, and that, that kind of makes me want to jump to the next thing, how the interpretations of the female wife were different. Uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, she typically plays more aggressive and assertive female characters. Wouldn't you say that's true? Yeah, it's true. If you think about Veep, if you can think about uh, Seinfeld. Seinfeld. Yeah. yeah. In the original, the Swedish one, the, the wife is a bit more subdued. Uh, she's still assertive in her own way. It's just not in that in-your-face kind of way. I guess it's more of a personal preference thing, but I think that the subtle approach is more effective because you can kind of see the wheels turning inside her brain. When the American wife is angry, it's just uh, expressed in rage. Like her emotions are very volatile. In, in it's true. There's an additional scene in Downhill where she actually gets angry at some guard or the patrol guy. The guy with the red hair who you're going to say his name because I don't know Oh, it. the guy from Game of Thrones whose name yeah. I can't pronounce. So he was in the original Force Majeure and he makes a cameo in a different character. Pointless a pointless ca cameo. But basically it's an outlet for Julia Louis-Dreyfus's rage. And she says that they shouldn't have allowed that avalanche to happen or something. It's very weird. Yeah. In the Swedish one, her emotions are more, I would compare it to just like a star collapsing in on itself. You can see her just kind of questioning everything she's ever done in her life. I wouldn't say there's like a, a fix here really, but I thought that the Swedish approach was more effective. Again, as we were talking about earlier, if you want to do something that's more zany, wacky, you know, classic Hollywood kind of comedy, like if I can think of one example, would be another Will Ferrell movie, a recent one, Daddy's Home, which has some ridiculous body humor in it. Will Ferrell skateboards from a roof and then lands on his balls or something. I, I, I had that kind of stuff. Right. And in Downhill, you get scenes where he gazes into the mirror and a somber string pad comes in and creates this melancholy where they left the female character sort of one note. It's seemed like they were trying to create a story with Will Ferrell's character and he kind of seemed like the victim in the relationship actually he really did, yeah. which is totally different than Force Majeure. Holy. Yeah you can kind of see it from both perspectives for the most part in, in, in Force Majeure. I mean the husband is definitely at fault. You side with the wife in terms of just his denial. It's frustrating actually to watch as a viewer. But then you see how she just handles it in all the possible wrong ways. Yeah, in Force Majeure, they're both in the wrong in certain ways. Whereas Downhill tries to make the narrative that it was justifiable that Will Ferrell ran away from his family during the avalanche because unconsciously he feels oppressed by them and his role in the family. They use the metaphor of the hat. So I'm trying to remember there there is a hat that used to be his father's who recently died right, or Right, and he wants to wear it. Just the hat. Just the hat. And his wife skiing. says, no, you have to wear the helmet that I've decorated with these stickers so that we all match and we can all find each other. Yeah. The melancholy music comes in and he can't even have an identity because he has to wear a helmet that matches his kid's helmet and oh, poor thing. Yeah, it's the classic, you know, male thing of wanting their own individuality outside of their family unit. Where Julia Louis-Dreyfus' character was kind of an antagonist to that. 
Oh yeah, that that just makes me think of in Downhill. What what is Julia Louis Dreyfus's character's journey? Like, what does she learn from beginning to end? Like, what is the thing that's troubling her? Is it that she wants to explore being with other partners, which they have in that scene with the hot European ski instructor guy, which leads to nowhere? Um, is she tired of being a mother? Is she in my opinion the the ski instructor scene was sort of giving her the opportunity to lash out against her husband? Like, I really think that Downhill was all about the husband's character which is disappointing but not surprising for Hollywood and I think in the last scene it's made very clear because she sort of fakes a scenario in which she needs to be rescued so that Will Ferrell can like regain his masculinity and prove something to his kids but she turns it into this huge lecture where she says I'm gonna let you do this I'm going to let you rescue me for our kids and for the way they see you, but you have to decide whether you want to be a part of this family or not. So I think that really says it's all about the guy's journey and what the guy wants. Julia Louis-Dreyfus is just a satellite to that. Yeah, she really was kind of the secondary character, even though I think she had as much screen time. But it was all reactive to, to him just to improve that movie is to just follow the formula of what Force Majeure did, which was give both protagonists, the husband and the wife, a clear arc and give them a resolution. And I will say that in, in Downhill, they put more effort into the husband's role and what he was experiencing than Force Majeure did. It's more kind of implied in Force Majeure. They do a few things in Downhill. I mean, besides the hat of his dad, it's supposed to symbolize his individuality. He also kind of wants to be the younger, uh, the younger colleague or friend. He meets later on in the movie, he invites, actually. So they're like a young, I wouldn't say hipster couple, but they're young millennial types who just want to explore and have adventures and live every day. Like it's their last and can see kind of craves that and wants to escape into their lives, which is something that Force Majeure didn't really do. Maybe could have done that a bit more. If I want to say something that maybe would have made Force Majeure better. And so one, one brief positive note, I guess, about Downhill. I mean, it, I, it's not, it didn't do it particularly well, I got to say. It just was there, which I guess was... <laughs> better than nothing right it was there like the soundtrack yeah. of yodels in the alps yes Ooh. yeah oh you left me hanging there really it's exactly that's what the soundtrack <laughs> yeah, is, is. Really you gotta look that up yeah, right yeah. now yeah they have will ferrell in those moments and i just feel like i would have cast a different actor i mean the movie probably wouldn't have been made if it wasn't will ferrell as the star well, from a Hollywood perspective and American mainstream audience perspective, it's kind of an obscure movie to remake, Force Majeure. It had some critical claim and awards, I think, from the Cannes Film Festival and elsewhere, uh, but otherwise not really well known. My recommendation would have been just do downhill, make it this, if they like the idea of a family vacation in the Alps, they probably liked the opening scene. That was what probably drew them to the movie is that an avalanche kind of comes and the dad runs away. It's fine, start there, but then just make it a Will Ferrell comedy, like in a way that would have made more sense to me than whatever they were trying to do mm -hmm. that's my fix just let it be what what will <laughs> yeah, ferrell one <laughs> yeah starts yeah. with an avalanche and then hilarity ensues mm -hmm. what do you think of casting someone like paul rudd instead of will ferrell for Ooh, i love me some paul rudd i would definitely watch that movie with paul rudd i think in it would have been good because paul rudd he's capable of the comedy stuff but he also can do drama he can do dramatic scenes oh he can do it all he's and he, he can do is. whoever he wants <laughs> He, I mean, whatever he wants. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Freudian slip. Freudian slip, yeah. It happens to all of us. Boobs. What? <laughs> and, yeah, so I would have liked Paul Rudd in this. I think it would have been interesting. If you want to jump to the ending now, which you talked about a bit already, you find in remakes a lot that they just copy scenes. 
The thing about Downhill is that it didn't really capture the point of some scenes, so it just became kind of nonsensical. And the one example that comes to mind is there's there's a scene in Force Majeure where uh, the husband, he's kind of on his own with a male friend at a bar. They're kind of just enjoying their bit of male freedom, and a woman approaches them and, uh, and tells the husband that, oh, my friend over there really likes you. And they kind of just bask in the male ego for a little bit. And then she comes back like a moment later and says, oh, sorry, my friend meant somebody else. And it's kind of <laughs> it's deflated. So cold. It's, it's, it's just this random little scene in the movie. And it's, it's pretty funny. Uh, it just kind of shows how fragile our egos are, I guess, mm-hmm. as men. But it makes even less sense when that same scenario is played out by Will Ferrell. Because the dude in Force Majeure, it, let's just say he's a bit more conventionally attractive. It's conceivable. But in Downhill, like this, it's a 20-year-old woman checking him out. Like, it was just so silly. Well, in the case of the mistaken identity, what they do is they add that little joke at the end that wasn't in the Swedish one where they point to the guy who the woman meant. And it's some guy who's off to the other side of the bar. So there's just no it's conceivable true. way that the woman would have mistaken him for that other guy. And It was as ridiculous as, like, dumb. a guy's having a bad day and then a dog comes and lifts his leg and pees on him. Yeah. It was almost that it was level of, like, yeah. Really, yeah. If we want to jump to the end, so uh, the wife... Uh, in in the Swedish one, she she's with her family and they're all kind of skiing in isolation. There, it's like I think it's snowing and they're kind of far out there. There's nobody around. And then he rescues her but without an explanation. It's left kind of ambiguous. And, and downhill, they're going down this slope where there's like no exaggeration, hundreds of people going down it. And she gets you know air quotes trapped or needs help or something from Will Ferrell. And she has that whole explanation of exactly what she's doing to save him from being emasculated. It just doesn't make sense because the whole tension of the scene is gone because there's just people everywhere. So I don't understand what they're trying to do there unless in the American version she thinks her kids are complete morons or something. Well, the education system is much better in Sweden than the USA. Yeah, I mean, maybe the whole thing is just an indictment of the US educational system. I don't know. I wouldn't give that movie that much credit. So the Swedish one was, I would say, a dark comedy. Very intimate. Agreed. Very slow pace. Very methodical in spacing, though. Never felt dull to me. Probably could have been tightened in the middle if I really want to nitpick. I don't even know what to call downhill. Just comedy. Generic comedy. It wasn't really that funny. It wasn't really dramatic. To your point, like, if you want to cast Will Ferrell, go out there, make it wacky and zany, use outlandish, farcical, absurdist, whatever. I mean, I just felt like they could have done so much for that premise. Two examples that I thought of before we started this was that they could have had Will Ferrell doing something crazy to prove his manhood, like going down some treacherous, hazardous course that earlier on in the movie you're warned about. So you can set that up of him just wanting to prove himself by going down it or having the wife julie louis dreyfus do something like put her one of her kids in jeopardy because she's just not paying attention to them and then she remembers how much she needs her a role as a mother and how much her kids matter to her but instead they just kind of copy some scenes and then just don't do other things and the movie ends up being very short so it's really it just felt like a half-assed movie in the end damn so i don't know what the fix is there just put more effort <laughs> i don't know i guess that one is like more more general and comprehensive maybe not so easy to fix it's 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 sad to say we're kind of soulless too i mean considering all the time and investment they put in the in the movie i'm sure I with mean, the I just exception don't of the soundtrack yeah yeah you get it i think you're about Nailed as tired it. of it as we are at this point <laughs> final judgment shannon is downhill fixable fine just as it is or beyond repair uh downhill is beyond repair that is my final answer my recommendation is just watch force majeure and then some other time listen to the soundtrack of downhill 
So for me, it's definitely on. I mean, it's hard to say that's unfixable because I think it could have been better. I think from the from the ground up, it needed to be treated differently. Easier to just scrap and let no one ever watch it again. Nobody's missing out on anything. Throw it into the ether, I say. And before we sign off, we wanted to just share some recommendations for things we've been watching lately. Shannon, anything come to mind? Yes, actually. I've been watching Summer House, season four. What's Summer House? This is a reality TV show in which a group of wealthy friends rent a summer house and spend the entire summer arguing with each other. Sounds riveting. Tell it's me more. It's really wonderful. And I know for many of the listeners, this discredits everything that I have said. But I need to get my dramatic fix somewhere, and I ain't getting it from downhill. Ain't that the truth. I, I can say that I've seen at least one full episode of Summer House. Definitely has drama. Oh, it does. Definitely has good-looking people. That too. Who are often in bikinis or shirtless. Gotta have and it. And if that's Gotta all you need, the then, then yeah, I recommend it too. <laughs> yeah, and if I had to recommend something I've been watching lately in this, you know coronavirus isolation state i did like this movie called uncut gems that got a lot of buzz even some oscar buzz and towards the end of 2019 stars adam sandler it's a very i will say it's not an easy movie to watch it's kind of an uncomfortable movie to watch because you're basically following a very unpleasant character who happens to be a pawn shop owner or something who's also a degenerate gambler and you kind of just see him spiraling out of control and making more and more bets with money he just doesn't have the movie really asks you to just not accept who this character is, but you have to just sit there and watch. And it's kind of brutal at, at times. There's just something about the movie just has this energy to it, a life to it that most Hollywood movies don't. So yeah, I'd recommend that. Normally, I would never recommend an Adam Sandler movie, which I believe is on Netflix for all you quarantine peeps out there. Thank you so much for joining us for the second episode of Fix This Flick. Stay safe, stay healthy. Yeah, stay safe, everyone. Hey!